Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, and we'll show you how to get here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now we here. We started from the bottom, now we're on the top. Teaching you the systems to get what we got. Clinton Dixon's on the hooks. I break down the books. Z's bringing some wisdom and the good looks. As the father of five, that's what I'm a dive. So if you see my wife and kids, please tell them hi. It's the C and Z up on your radio. And now three, two, one. Here we go. We started from the bottom, now we Oh, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the conversation. Now, Z, I have some incredible news. This just in from the Thrive Time Show. This just in. I'm picking up my kids today from the airport. They've been visiting their grandparents there in Kentucky, and so I'm picking them up today. We're going to go buy some fireworks tonight, and I'm excited because I haven't seen the oldest three now for about a week, and I'm excited to get them back, Z. I want, I, Z, I want to get them back. Um, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I, I love these guys. They're, they're Z, I actually- You're talking about a, your children now. Right? I love my kids. No, I know. They're great kids because they're, they're great. They're well-mannered. Um, do you see a difference in kids that are homeschooled and kids that aren't homeschooled? Yes. Well, I think right now, I mean, if you send your kids to public school, you have to understand that you might raise your kids with awesome values, but the person that your kid sits next to might not be raised with awesome values. And so overall, your kids become the average of the five people they spend the most time with, just like an entrepreneur. Their network is their net worth, and sometimes their network is their self-worth. And they get surrounded by people that are maybe not the best, Sometimes they are the best. So I would just say as a parent, be very intentional about who you who your kids spend their time with. And, and Z, a little, That is uh, so true. That uh, is so true. Another little, little little personal win. Z, Robbie the pool guy is going to be here in an hour. Don't tease me. And I want you to be there when he presents us with the final rendering of what the backyard at Camp emotional. Clark I'm and the Chicken Palace might look like. I'm getting get kind of emotional these are all things that are happening that are exciting you see this is what happened folks if you're listening out there yep. when a young man approaches you said so many years ago 18 right. 17 16 years ago right and and even though you look at them and you think holy camoly holy what is going holy, holy, holy crap camoly, holy what is going batman. on hey batman, batman. <laughs> um uh, and you look at this young man and he wants to be mentored and so you begrudgingly give them some time and then you talk to them and all of a sudden see this guy starts it's like a flower just bloom blooms 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 blooming everywhere everywhere and now you get to be there at the unveiling of his pool his backyard Holy cow. so we're excited so in less than an hour the pool man will be here robbie who i believe is the most qualified of the pool candidates to present to us the best. Now, pool what made on, him? St- what made him stand out? I got three things. Okay, tell uh, me. About one, it. his hair is high and tight. <laughs> he shows up on time. No, this is that's variable one. He shows up on time. His hair is high and tight. Okay. He looks like Marshall Morris. Very credible. Very credible. Shows up here. Uh, two, I said, where do you get your hair cut? He says, elephant in the room. I want you know the high and tight look. So he's a customer of yours. I didn't know this though before. Wow. Okay. So variable number two is he he says I'm an elephant in the room customer and. He says, I just you know, want to look sharp. So it's kind of like, okay, okay, that's you, you've kind of won me right, a little right, bit. Right, yeah. Three, dude, his renderings he sent over of what the pool is going to look like. Sick. You can, like, you can, I don't know if you'd want to lick a pool or touch a pool. Do you want to swim in the rendering? I feel like I want to, I feel like it's like inside my body. Wow. The pool, I feel that's like intense. it's inside my mind. 
It's like you gave birth to it? I feel like I gave birth to the pool. It's, it's, that, it's that good. Now, Z, something else is, that is that good is today we're talking about this, this uh, it's, uh, crawling through five miles of crap and picking up the NBA's trash en route to becoming a Hall of Fame player. We're talking about— Do you think he really will be in the Hall of Fame? Nobody from somewhere. A janitor makes it big. We're talking about Dennis Rodman. Z, do you like Dennis Rodman? You know, I've never met him. Do you like his career? Um, I think it's fast. It's a fascinating study, and that's why you know we we love to to break down books, and we do all the heavy lifting for you. I mean, you can always go back and peruse it just to kind of spell check us, if you will. But uh, he is. I mean, it's a fascinating. I knew him back in college, or I knew of him back in college because he played at a university that played the you know the school where I was, and I was you know he's fifty seven, I'm fifty three, and he kind of started a little later, so we were about the same place in college, and so. Um, Anyway, it was he was fascinating back then, and then his he just morphed into this caricature, this person that's pretty amazing. I would say this in, in, in April first, twenty eleven. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this just in. He's a man who knows a little bit about everything and a lot about soccer. But in 2011, April first, he was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. He is a player who's won many. So that's college. He's won many NBA that- championships. Think about this. This is a guy, is he, who's won five NBA championships, and he didn't play formal basketball until the age of 21. That's crazy. So this is what happens: is he graduates high school at the height of five foot nine. Now, how tall are you, Doctor Z? I'm about five foot nine. So imagine that you. So you're saying I got a chance. I'm just saying. Imagine you graduated high school, age 18. You're five foot nine. You grew up in poverty. Then, age 21, you find yourself working at the airport and you get arrested for stealing watches. Your sisters are playing Division One basketball, but you are now six foot eight. And your sisters, who are Division One basketball players, say, maybe you should play professional basketball. Or and least- so now I turn to page 12 of Dennis Rodman's book, This Is Bad As I Want to Be, Nobody From Nowhere. A janitor makes it big. This is what Dennis Rodman writes. He says... The Texas State Fair is held in Dallas, about five miles from where I grew up in the Oak Cliff Projects. None of the kids I hung around had enough money to get into the fair, but we went every year. There is an underground sewage tunnel that can take you right there. We crawl in through a manhole in the project and start our journey. This tunnel was legendary among the kids in Oak Cliff. I think everyone who grew up there went to the State Fair that way at one time or another. My friends and I started taking this route when I was 13 or 14. The tunnel was wide in some places, but it stunk like you wouldn't believe. The sewage was a foot deep, so we had to walk around it, sort of on the side of the tunnel. It was dark and scary, so we'd bring flashlights so we could work our way around the quote-unquote crap, and also so we could follow the lines that somebody had drawn years ago to mark the way. When I think about it, I just shake my head. Five miles through a sewage tunnel to, to the state fair? What kind of crazy mess was that? What the F was I thinking? So Dennis Rodman was a guy who, who climbed through crap for five miles to go to the state fair. Z, can you talk to me about growing up when you don't have money and what that can do in a positive way to your mindset? Because you could view it as a problem. 
or you could view it as a superpower. How does growing up without money, without financial resources, how does it help to grow up poor? Well, I mean, it does one of two things. I mean, it, it's like like every opportunity you have growing up, you can either go the good way with it or you can go the bad way with it, you know. And for me, uh, I focused on the fact that uh, if I said, you know, if I want, I started working when I was 13 because I wanted a new pair of jeans to go to school. I needed books and school supplies and, you know, the little folders and all the, oh, yeah. all the you know. The, the one co- with the, the dolphin and the yeah. pro sports team you gotta on get, it. you oh, got to yeah. get the, you know, the colored pencils. Oh, you, know, you got to get the colored pencils. For, you know, science class or yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. And so you, know, you want all that stuff. And so you're kind of like, well, uh, I guess you could um, uh, fuss about it and feel bad about yourself and, and mourn the fact that you don't have it and maybe hit a street corner and hand out, you know, get, put a cup in your hand and say, hey, you, hopefully somebody will give me something because I don't have anything. Or you could say, you know what? Uh, I'm an able-bodied person. I'm going to go mow yards. I'm going to go wash dishes. I'm going to go do something productive and get a job. Dennis Rodman says on page 15 of his book, he says, I did not have a male role model in my life until I got to college and started getting my S together. We'll let you ponder what S means. But, Z, can you talk to me, or could you could you identify with that of not having a consistent role model in your life? Is that something that you – how did you grow up? Did you have one dad, multiple folks? I mean, share with the listeners kind of your your background and, and what, what that was like growing up. Yeah, uh, you know, I, um, I my my mom married and had two boys, and then they divorced, and uh, and then she remarried, and her, her second – uh, husband adopted me, so I was adopted by John Zellner. Um, um, rest in peace, uh, Dad. And uh, he raised us, and then I, I got to meet my biological dad when I was 16. That was kind of cool. And now we have, uh, he's still alive, and we have a relationship. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you you go through life, and as bad as you think it is, or, you know, the, there's no parent out there that's perfect. I'll just tell you that right now. There's no parent out there that's perfect. Of course, some people have had parenting situations much worse than others i get that but we all have a little bit of about parents and things you know that were done wrong things that were done right no parents are perfect no parents are perfect just get over that and you being a parent you're not gonna do everything perfect yourself this just in this just in but i think the key thing about it is is not letting here again not letting that um dictate who you are you know we're volunteers in most things in life we're not victims we're volunteers in, in almost every aspect of our life, we're not victims. And some people want to go through life in a victim mentality, you know, that victim mentality of, well, if I just had a dad, well, if I had just had a mom, well, if I had just had this, if I had just had that, I would, I would have been, I'd have turned out much better. Dennis Rodman writes on page 17 of his book, he said, I've been homeless. I've worked at a 7-Eleven. I'm a real person with, really, with real experiences. And I know how easy it is to find yourself out there with nothing. I went to the Dallas-Fort Worth airport and just got a job as a janitor on the graveyard shift. This job has become a big part of the Rodman legend. I can't believe how often it comes up, just because it's so different than most NBA players. At the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. I was pushing a broom and mopping floors for six fifty an hour, which wasn't bad money for me back then. I was just working just like everybody else in the world. There was no reason for me to believe that I'd ever do much more than that. Now, Marshall, you're a business coach, and I think a lot of what you do is help people believe that their business can actually become successful. Talk to me about your role as a business coach and how you try to breathe life 
into people that have a real product and a real service, and they just need someone to believe in them. Well, as a business coach, one of the most valuable things that you'll find is somebody that just has an objective opinion, an objective view uh, an objective perspective of your business because as an entrepreneur you're in it day in day out you see all the good the highs the lows and it's it's emotional now as a business owner you have to learn how to not let the emotion get in the way of the motion get in the way of growing the business and so as a coach one of uh, our roles up here at the Thrive Time Show is to present you and repeat back to you the current situation, the current uh, perspective of where you're at, and then provide the resources from Clay and Dr. Zellner with the proven best practices of what you need to do next in an objective way. And we come back from the break, we're going to break down more about the life and times of Dennis Rodman and the specific action items that you can apply to your own life, the mindset you can apply, apply to your life when you hear about an NBA Hall of Fame basketball player who didn't play organized basketball until the age of 21. But Z, before we go to the break, I want to tell the listeners about Onyx Imaging. Z, do you spend a lot of your time during your week running around looking for a good deal on office supplies and printer supplies? I just love going to Home Depot and I mean office. Honestly, Depot do you do you run around? Do you run around looking? Spend the afternoon. Do you run around looking for office supplies and printer supplies? No. Why? Because it's a waste of time when you have a, a great organization like Onyx that will actually deliver it. So if you want to save money on your office supplies and printer supplies, no, I don't want to. I love comparing prices at retail stores during long. the middle of my workday. It's my lowest use. My lowest, really. Really, it's the lowest thing I could be doing with my time, but I just love doing it. No, if you want to save both time and money on your office and printer supplies, then go to our good friends at onyximaging.com. That's O-N-Y-X imaging.com today. Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, and we'll show you how to get here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now we now we're on the top, teaching you the systems to get what we got. Clinton Dixon's on the hooks, I break down the books. Z's bringing some wisdom and the good looks. As the father of five, that's why I'm a dive. So if you see my wife and kids, please tell them hi. It's a C and Z up on your radio. And now three, two, one, here we go. We started from the bottom, now we here. All right, Drive Nation, we're breaking down today the Dennis Rodman story. Crawling through five miles of crap and picking up the NBA's trash to create a Hall of Fame career. Now, this is, uh, when I read, read this book, I try to read about a book a week. That's sort of my regiment. I, I listen to a lot of uh, audio books, too. But I try to get through one book a week. I um, don't. I, I, try to, I try to read about 52 books a year. No, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, I'm, well, I'm you're way a, off you're, of your deal. You're a one-upper. I'm, I'm Holy cow. Holy cow. The reason why I do it is because, for me, um, I read books, a lot of technical books, but I like to read books sometimes that uh, about people that I feel like I, I can relate to. And Dennis Rodman is a guy who I feel like he and I went through a lot of similar things as a kid, and I knew that uh, just anecdotally from having heard interviews with him, and I thought, you know, I want to um, read more about this guy. So on page 20 of his book, Bad as I want to be, Dennis Rodman writes, I started playing basketball more seriously after I got caught stealing the watches at age 21. I was just playing with friends in the gym, and that's where Larita Westbrook saw me play. It was night leagues or pickup games mostly. I'd just be hanging out at the gym. 
like a kid with a new toy. I was getting close to six foot eight. He graduated from high school, by the way, at the at the height of five foot ten or less. A lot of people say a lot of people said he graduated high school at five foot eight or five foot nine. And he said I was just getting close to six foot eight by this time. And even though I was skinny and a little embarrassed by the growth spurt, it was like a new body. I could do things on the basketball court that weren't possible before. I don't know where Loretta Westbrook is today. But I bet she tells everyone that she discovered Dennis Rodman. I went to that tryout at Cook County Junior College, and after about 15 minutes, they pulled me aside and told me they had a scholarship for me. So, see, here's Amazing. a guy. Amazing. A miracle. He's 21 years old. Yeah. He's working at the airport, in the, the DFW airport. He gets arrested for stealing watches. His sisters, who played Division One basketball, said, hey, you should probably go try out. And he says here in his book, he says, the only time I played organized basketball – was my sophomore year in high school when I barely made the junior varsity team, but I quit halfway through the season. <laughs> so here he is. He's 21 years old, and he just shows up to try out, and he gets offered a scholarship at a junior college. He goes on to write here on page 21, Marshall. He writes, Lon Reisman, an assistant coach at Southeastern Oklahoma, an NAIA school, had seen me play while, while I was at Cook before I got kicked off the team. Remember, he got kicked off the first team he was on, Cook County Junior College. Does it say why? Failing academics. Oh, imagine that. And he says, and he was convinced I could make it. He talked to the head coach, Jack Hedden, and they decided to come after me. They were determined to because I didn't want anything to do with college after that one semester. Colleges would call when I was at my mother's house, and I'd refuse to take the calls. I didn't want to hear what they had to say. The only reason I talked to Hedden and Reisman is because they showed up at the house one day and I answered the door. I don't know for sure, but I guess this isn't the way Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> went to college or Michael Jordan or anybody else in the NBA was recruited. When you look at how I got placed in that position to do what I've done, the girl convinced me to try out everybody giving me those watches. He goes on to explain. There's a guy who was arrested for stealing watches. A friend, a person saw him, an anonymous person just saw him working out one day playing pickup basketball. They recommend that he goes to a junior college. He goes to the junior college. He fails out academically. Somebody else sees him play and then offers him a full scholarship and insists that he pursues basketball. So this just in. He finds himself at Southeastern Oklahoma University in a town called Durant. And he says, it wasn't easy for a guy like me who didn't know anyone besides, know, know anything besides the city. All I ever knew was the city and the projects, and that didn't prepare me for what I got uh, when I went up there to that small town. I noticed the difference right away. I was walking to class soon, and I got there, and some a-hole leaned his head out the car window and yelled at me, go back home, you black son of a boop. That happened a lot. They'd tell me, get your black boop out of here. Go back to Africa, boop. But he goes on to explain that he also did not like black people because he said he was a, home, a very homely kid, a uh, very ugly person. He describes himself as being uh, repulsive physically. <laughs> and he said, so growing up as a kid, he said he got made fun of a ton from the African-American community. So he actually says in his book, Marshall, that he, ha he had in his mind growing up as a kid that he wanted to be white and he wanted to move to a white community because the white community seems so much nicer. So he goes to the white community, and people made fun of him there. So the teaching moment I'd like for Dr. Z to break down 
is no matter where you go on this planet, there will be haters. There will be mean people no matter where you go. And I, as I read this part of the book, I actually had a little man tear because there's a little kid in the book by the name of Brian Rich. He said he met Brian Rich. This is on page 22, Marshall. He says, I had met Brian at the Southern, uh, Southeastern basketball camp the summer before I started school. He was 13 and I was 22. We became best friends. He became friends at the age of 22 with a 13-year-old because he said it was the only person who had a pure heart and who didn't make fun of him. Wow. So he's a 22-year-old kid who had been ostracized growing up because he was um, ugly. And then he moved to a white community where he got made fun of for being black. And he said his best friend at the age of 22 was 13. And the only reason he wanted to become friends with him, he said he hadn't yet been, um, he hadn't lost his innocence and he wanted to have a friend who actually could see him for what he was. Zeke, can you talk to me about this, this idea of if you're an entrepreneur or a human on the planet Earth right now, and you're trying to move to a place, a community, or a time when people aren't mean, why you have to just embrace how life is? You know, you do. I, I, it, it's so unfortunate how we are so offended these days. You know, I've, I've spoke about this several times on our show, on our radio show, on our podcast, and, you know, I grew up in, a, in an era where, you know, we used to have a saying, sticks and stones can break my bones. Words will never hurt me. And now it seems like we just encourage words to hurt us as much as deeply as possible. And then, and then to put it on social media so that other people can be offended by those same words and be hurt by the same words. And it's just, it's unfortunate, you know. I, I wish that we could all do like Taylor Swift tells us. To do. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And what, what would Taylor Swift encourage us to do? Just shake it off. Shake it off. This, this just, just in. in. We have to shake it off. Shake it off. Let it just like you're a duck and the water just roll right off your back. I mean, folks, there's going to be haters out there. And the more successful you haters are. Haters want to hate, 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 hate. There you go. Come on, Taylor. The, the more successful you are, um, the more <sighs> jealousy there is out and there. And that's what I want to talk about when we come back from the break is how the more successful you become, the more promotions you get, the more problems you have. When Marshall went from being just an employee to becoming a manager, how did the level of uh -oh. problems increase? Oh when Dr. Z went from being a one-employee company to a multiple-employee company to a 100-plus employee organization, what, how much did the problems increase? Did life get easier as he grew? I mean, does, does promotion truly equal more problems? I believe it does. When we come back from the break, Dr. Z and Marshall Morris will break it down for us. But if you're looking for a proactive accountant who's as proactive as you are about your business, go to hoodcpas.com today. That's hoodcpas.com today. And now broadcasting live from the box that rocks, it's the Thrive Time Business Coach Radio Show. Top of high of learning and high of earning, taking you to the top like we're hiking Mount Vernon. We're changing the mindsets like we're incense burning, passing on the magic like our name was Irvin, serving up that knowledge like I was a servant. And I cite what I say so you know I'm not a servant. The Thrive Time Show bringing the heat while fervent, giving it to you straight in the world that swerves. Stacking the cash, making the dash, earning the plaques, bringing them back. Bring me the track so I can get up on the mic and speak the facts. Stacking the cash, making the dash, earning the plaques, bringing them back. Bring me the track so I can get up on the mic and speak the facts. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio. And today we're talking about the Dennis Rodman story. Crawling through five miles of crap and picking up the NBA's trash en route to becoming an NBA Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame player, Dr. Z. You know, Clay, I love the fact that you are a voracious 
reader of books. True. And I love it when we break down awesome books. I love breaking down books. It's just so much fun. We do the hard... Clay actually does the heavy lifting for you. Why did you choose this book of all the books we could be breaking down today well there's there's tell uh, me tell me about it two big reasons okay. um one as a kid i stuttered a lot and i got made fun of consistently two uh i got sexually abused by a neighbor multiple times as a kid and it was like once people heard that that happened they t- shared it with other kids and it just became like let's make fun of this kid on the bus oh wow and so wow. i remember that and so yeah. i thought to myself Block that out. That's awkward. Anytime you bring that up, people go because they don't know what to say. Yeah, they're and, in the car. They're in the car right now, listening to the show. They're going, "Well, that did that just happen? I, and so is that just yeah. is it pulling the truck stop to get right. gas or like?" And so just, one day happen? I was wa- I was watching an interview uh, about uh, Dennis Rodman, and uh, he was playing for the Chicago Bulls at the time, and he explained to the interviewer that he never spoke a word to Scottie Pippen or Michael Jordan or David Robinson or anyone he played basketball. He never said a word. And they're like, you never say a word to your teammates? He says, no, I'm just there to play ball, to get rebounds, to win, but I do not speak to them. Did he say why? I mean, yeah, we'll break it because he book, sincerely so. doesn't like people. And I thought to myself, that's my guy. That's my that's because I, I I can relate to that's that. That's my guy. I can relate to that. Like I want to you know have a business that provides a service for people, but I don't really have a desire to be liked. I don't know what that is because I, I I've. I've tried that before. And so um, I picked up his book, and uh, I read the book. And, and what he says on page 22, and I want Dr. Z to break it down first, and I want uh, Marshall to break it down second. He says, Southeastern Oklahoma University is in Durant, Oklahoma, a town of about 6,000 people compared but to what I was boys. used to. Durant was a different world, bro. That's bro. What he says. Bro. A different world. Again, Dennis Rodman never played organized basketball until the age of 21. He was five foot nine at the time he graduated from high school. Grew to be six foot eight, some would argue six foot nine at the age of 21. He gets recruited to play community college. He fails out. He gets recruited to play here at Southeastern Oklahoma University, and he's on the team. So he says, I noticed the difference right away. I was walking to class soon after I got there, and some a hole leaned his head out the car window and yelled, Go back home, you black son of a boop. That happened a lot. They'd tell me, Get your black boop out here. Go back to Africa. Boop. But he says there was a little kid by the name of Brian Rich. And I had met Brian at the Southeastern Basketball Camp the summer before I started school there. He was 13 and I was 22. I can remember him looking at me funny, which wasn't unusual back in those days. I sometimes walked around with quarters in my ears. I know why I did it, probably just so people would think I was crazy. Anyway, Brian and I became friends, best friends. Brian kind of fell in love with me at the camp. He was invited he invited me over to his house for dinner, and I went. It was weird. I remember saying, why is this kid in love with me? Why does he love me so boop, much? He goes on to explain that if you drive in Dallas today on Highway 75 from Oklahoma down to Dallas, and you get to the 121, you'll see Rodman excavation everywhere. There's these massive trucks that say Rodman excavation. And he promised Brian that if he ever made it big, he would take care of Brian. So he made it to the NBA, and he gave Brian all of his money, and they started Rodman Excavation, which is still a very huge, profitable company. No way, really. True. Rodman Excavation is a massively successful company that Brian runs as a result, B-R-Y-N-E, as a result of him at the age of 13 befriending a 22-year-old who nobody in the world liked. 
Wow, that is that is awesome. And so he prints it. I promise, if I get to the league, I will I will take care of you. So he goes to the NBA. He's a 26 year old NBA rookie, and he calls up his friend. Remember, the age separation is nine years. So his buddy Brian is like 17, and he's like, "Hey, Brian." And he starts giving Brian his money, and they started Rodman Excavation, which is the largest excavation company in Texas. True deal. Okay. To this day, he still makes crazy money off that. So let's break down the action items that the listeners can apply here. Um, Z, talk to me about this idea. Some people want to get promoted. They think, once I make a lot of money, I'll never have problems. Gosh, once I grow a company. I'm be just wonderful. No, once I grow a company to a certain level, I can throw a middle finger to the world, and it doesn't matter because nobody can talk back to me because I'll be rich. And I tried that. That's why I built DJ Connection. I was hell-bent on building DJ Connection. And once we were doing about 80 events a, a week, 4,000 events a year, having you know 100 employees, 90 employees, subcontractors, or whatever, I found the more money you make, the more problems you have. According to the, to, uh, the uh, late great philosopher, the notorious B.I.G., Christopher Wallace, more money, more problems. Can you talk to me about why you ha- when you have more money, you actually have more problems? Well, I, I want to back up just a little bit. Sure. I want to be maybe a little offensive. Do it. May I? Oh, well, well, Normally, well. that's your bandwidth. What? And I've got to clean it up. Yeah, right. Yeah. But today, I'm going to go there. And then you can maybe clean it up a little bit. Let me cue up my sound effect real quick so I okay. get emotionally prepared. Okay, thank oh, you. Oh, Billy. Thank you. Okay. My mother, who is an awesome, awesome woman. Great American. Raised nine, seven birth children. She adopted two more, raised nine great kids. Wow. Uh, all productive. And uh, last I checked today, I could probably Google, none in prison. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all college educated, all doing great. That is nice. Uh, thanks, Mom. Love you. But... um. She taught me some a concept back in the day. Back in the day. Can we go back in the day? Let's go back in the day. Let's go back in the day. Back when time was right. And she taught me this concept. And the concept was be nice to all the ugly girls. What? Is that offensive? Does that offend you? Be nice to all the ugly girls? Yes. That's offensive. That's offensive. To even be able to determine that a woman would be not. No, attra- yeah. yeah. And ugly is probably to even be an able ugly to word. determine. I, I, I just personally ugly. can't even tell if someone's attractive or not. That's how uh, unoffensive I am. The point was was to be nice to everyone, obviously. But the way she said it, and the way we kind of played with it, it was it was. And, and the reasons why were this is because the ugly girls have pretty friends. Oof. The ugly girls might become pretty. Right. Marshall, remember now. And we got, uh, this we got, is it, dating got, tips. These are dating, 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 dating tips right here. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. Okay. That this is stuff you need to write, write this down, Marshall. Okay. okay. And that's exactly what that 13-year-old boy was doing. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, they were friends, and he was just being nice to somebody that nobody else was being nice to for a number of reasons. Like right. Dennis, Dennis puts in his book, he says, you know, I was not, uh, you know, I was not well liked by anybody, by any genre, by any group of people. He felt that African-Americans did not like him because he was ugly. He said he was mocked in the project, so he went to a white community where he thought he'd be accepted, and yeah. then people didn't like him there either. Right, exactly. And so some young boy took a flyer and said, hey, you know what? Um, I don't know enough to know that I shouldn't be nice to you, but I'm going to do what is the right thing to do, and that is to be nice to you. And now look at the dividends that is paid for him in life. I mean, seriously. 
Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, and we'll show you how to get here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. We started from the bottom, now we're on the top. Teaching you the systems to get what we got. Colin Dixon's on the hooks. I break down the books. He's bringing some wisdom and the good looks. As the father of five, that's why I'm a dive. So if you see my wife and kids, please tell them hi. It's the C and Z up on your radio. And now three, two, one, here we go. We started from the bottom, now we You know, you never know the end of the story. And Rodman said that on page 23 of his book, he said, we were both, Brian and I, he said, we were both coming off hard times and we were both confused about stuff in our lives. I was trying to decide where my life was going and Brian was trying to deal with having shot and killed his best friend accidentally in a freak hunting accident. So I don't care what you're dealing with in life. I mean, Dennis Rodman's probably gone through it, uh, Z. Brian's probably gone through it. I mean... Uh, Everybody out there who's had some success in their life has probably gone through a massive adversity. But I think a lot of people, the first sign of adversity, they tend to go into retreat mode. They tend to say, oh, life's not fair, and they get all upset, and they go on Facebook, and they write a post or on Instagram, and, and then it's just you can't do that. You're right. And then and now to kind of answer the question that you wanted to ask me, and that is, is that if you let... Anything anyone says or do or do rob your joy, shame on you. Oof. Let me say that again. If you let anything someone says or does rob your joy, shame on you. Because you're in control of your own happiness. You don't have to wait for some event to happen. You don't have to wait for your lottery numbers to be called. You don't have to wait for joy is something you can have immediately and happiness and content in where you are. Because so many people I know are not content because they're waiting for fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. The fill, fill in the blank. Once I get, once I find a wife, I'll be happy. Once I find a, a, a career, I'll be happy. Once I find a... I think a lot of people think that once they find something... They're going to be happy. But in, in this book, Dennis Rodman, As Bad As I Want to Be, he explains that he basically went from a growing up in poverty where he was mocked, as he said, for being ugly in an African-American community to being uh, he graduates from high school. He ends up working at the airport. He's 21 years old. He gets arrested for stealing watches. When he graduated from high school, he's five foot nine. He grows to be six foot eight. He's 21 years old. His sister, who played Division I college basketball, encouraged him to try out for a team. He tries out for a team. He fails out for failing out academically. He finds himself now living in southeastern Oklahoma University in Durant, Oklahoma, where people are making fun of him because of the color of his skin. Well, if you're six foot eight and you're freakishly athletic and you're playing basketball at a high level, Marshall, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, people are going to begin to notice. Yeah, uh, six foot eight doesn't hide well. Um, I can speak for experience. You walk into a room and immediately people turn heads. Now, I wasn't freakishly athletic like Dennis Rodman, but if you can play basketball well and you can get out there and showcase your athletic ability, you're going to get some people to notice. So on the college campus, he had a hard time making friends uh, because he's antisocial. So now he's 22 years old. 
His best friend is a 13-year-old, and he writes on page 25, Marshall, of his book, As Bad As I Want to Be. Bad As I Want to Be. Dennis Rodman writes, he says, Bryn is still my best friend today. He helps to run my construction company, Rodman Excavation, in Frisco, Texas. And we talk all the time. We both went through a lot together, and that's a strong bond. Remember, Bryn was a 13-year-old kid who accidentally killed somebody in a hunting accident. He's a 13-year-old kid, Z. And he accidentally killed when his... When he was 13? Uh, at the time, he was 12, and he accidentally killed his best friend while hunting. Shot him. Wow. And so nobody in the town wanted to talk to him because they thought that he had murdered his friend. All the kids sure. made fun of him. Yeah. And Dennis is 22, and he's a freak of nature. And nobody wants to talk to him because... So the 13-year-old and the 22-year-old become friends. So he goes on to explain that while playing basketball, he begins to dominate the game. And he begins to play at a different level, which begins to attract the attention of people that, um, you know, previously wouldn't talk to him. He writes on page 28 of his book, Bad As I Want to Be. He writes, it was like a fairy tale. I couldn't believe that this person took an interest in my life. I couldn't believe a man like this existed. He just laid it out, laid it all on the line and let me know that I could make something out of myself if I wanted to face up to reality. There was no cloud over any of it. It was all straight to the point, clear as day. He looked at me, he looked at everything straight ahead. Everything was on a line from one point to the next. He wasn't the type of person who would sit down and tell me I could be a famous basketball player if I wanted to. Or sorry, he he says he wasn't the type uh, wasn't the type who would sit down and tell me I could be a famous basketball player if I wanted it bad enough. He wouldn't fill my head with that stuff because it wasn't really his style. Instead, he would say, "Whatever you do, make it positive, make it what you want it to be, not what somebody else wants it to be." He's describing Bryn's father, so Bryn's father takes yeah. him in as his kind of his own son and start teach start teaching him about how life works. And so he's just telling him, Dennis, just apply yourself. Just do whatever you can do. Uh, just play at the best level you can possibly play. And so Dennis Rodman is like, well, you know, uh, Bryn, who is my friend who's 13, his dad's telling me, just, dude, just play at the next level. Just play as hard as you can. And so, Z, at the age of 25, a lot of people graduate from college, Marshall, what age? 21? 21, 22, 22. yeah. At the age of 25, he writes here on page 29, he says, After my senior year at Southeastern, I was like this, this uh, sideshow for the NBA. They looked at my statistics and they looked at my age. By then I was late 25. And they didn't know what to make of me. They loved my body and my speed. They all kept saying I could have made the Olympics in the 400 meters. But they weren't sure if I was right. He said, they weren't sure if I had the right game for the NBA. He goes on to explain that he was a guy who was getting, you know, 15 to 20 rebounds a game. But if you ever watched Dennis, see, have you ever watched Dennis Rodman shoot a free throw? Have you ever watched him shoot a it's, free it's, throw shot? It's, it's, it hurts. Um, I, I'm going to play it for you during the break so you can watch him. But Dennis Rodman cannot, could not shoot a basketball because he never played formal basketball until he was 21 years old. He never played organized basketball until he was 21 years old. So he realized, I don't know how to shoot. I can't score 
But Marshall, you played basketball at a, at, a, at a high level. You played professionally as well as college basketball. Mm-hmm. How can you dominate a game without scoring a point? Uh, you make all the hustle plays. So there's a, a set of plays throughout the, the course of a game where you got to have somebody to make them. They're 50-50. They could go either way. And typically it's the team that hustles more and wants it more, has more effort out on the court and so uh, whether that's rebounding or trying to save a loose ball or or making a steal those are the plays that end up winning you the game when it it's coming down close now Dennis Rodman uh, writes here on page 30 of his book he says the guy who was drafted one pick ahead of me was Greg Dryling or maybe Greg Drilling a seven foot center from Kansas who averaged 2.2 points per game and 2.2 rebounds per game in his career he says I guess they can say he's consistent. (laughs) So on page 35, he writes, after going through what I had gone through to get here, there was no way in hell I was going to let it slip without putting up a fight. I figured I'd made it to the league the hard way, so why not stay in it the hard way too? The hard way in the NBA is through defense and rebounding, the two things that guys would rather not do. There's not a guy in the league besides me who doesn't want to score. I don't want to score i want to win wow that is some deepness there why don't you deep dive in that a little bit tell me how that affects entrepreneurship well i would just say as a business owner that's all i'm about man i don't i'm not about like whether you you like me or not z i'm about no-brainer advertisements i know you're crazy about that and you've told me before though z you've said if your ad isn't so good if your if your if your ad does not make your competition want to throat punch you it's yes. not a good ad. That's what exactly do you mean what I'm by saying. That? What do you mean by that? You've, if, if it's not offensive to your to your competition, then you're not doing as much as you need to do. And I and I know that oh. sounds mean. Yes, oh, that sounds mean. We need a mean button. But the thing about it is, is that it's it's business. This is going to maybe be offensive. It, this is this is it's Dennis Rodman's show, so we got to we got to offend everybody, right? right. <laughs> I mean, this, this right. is the offensive the, show, the offensive just show, t- just the title, of the offensive show, and that is is that business is war. Business is war. You may think it's a kumbaya. No, it's not. Of like-minded people slicing up the pie to where all working together to improve the community. Has a said same piece of pie no business is all about you trying to eat all the pie you know it's offensive when someone cuts up a pizza and the slices aren't exactly the same it's offensive you think to yourself why why did you do that you know what's not offensive is simply chiropractic Tulsa's number one chiropractor if you're looking for Tulsa's number one chiropractor go to drjohnsibley.com drjohnsibley.com three two one Boom! You are now entering the dojo of Mojo and the Thrive Time Show. Thrive Time Show on the microphone. What is this? Top of the iTunes charts in the category of business. Drilling down on business topics like we are a dentist. Providing you with mentorship like you are an apprentice. And we go so fast that you might get motion sickness. Grab a pen and pad to the lab. Let's get in this. It's time to bear some fruit like some Florida oranges. Three, two, one. Here come the business ninjas. Sonic boom. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio. And today we're talking about the life and times of Dennis Rodman. We're, we're explaining the Dennis Rodman story. Crawling through five miles of crap and picking up the NBA's trash en route to an NBA Hall of Fame career. Now, on page 35 of Dennis Rodman's book, he writes, 
after everything I had gone through to get there, there was no way in hell I was going to let it slip away without putting up a fight. I figured I'd made it to the league the hard way. I didn't play organized basketball until I was 21 years old. I was six, or was five foot nine when I graduated from high school. I'm six foot eight, six foot eight at the age of 21 for the first time in my life when I played organized basketball. I said, "So why not stay in the hard way too?" The hard way in the NBA is through defense and rebounding, the two things guys would rather not do. There's not a guy in the league besides me who does not want to score. That's why no one can believe me. I don't want to score. All I want to do is win. I was playing Adrian Brantley every day in practice, and I set out to make his life miserable. I was going to shut him down if it meant dying out there on the practice floor. I shut him down a few times, and then he'd score on me. It went like that for a while, but then I realized I was shutting him down a lot more than he was scoring. In the middle of my second season, Dantley hurt his ankle and Daly put me into the starting lineup. Coach Chuck Daly. We went, we were 500 when Dantley went down, but we took off with me in the starting lineup. Of the first 24 games I started, we won 20. We just beat people up. And Daly played me all over the court. I played the small forward mostly, but he'd put me inside against power forwards and outside against tough shooting guards. Wherever he needed me, Wherever he needed defense, that's where I was. The Worm was my nickname. He goes on to explain, it was hard for him to understand that his name, his nickname, The Worm, was all over the headlines when he said, said as a kid, the reason why he got the nickname The Worm was because when he played pinball games as a kid, uh, people used to make fun of the way he squirmed around while playing the game. He says on page page 36, he writes, It was amazing for me to see the name Worm in the headlines. It was pretty amazing for me to see that nickname that I'd been given as a little kid for the way I wiggled around when I played pinball pinball splashed across headlines in the Detroit papers. The people were into it, into what I was giving them because it was so fresh and exciting. They knew basketball and they appreciated my style. Um, See, Dennis Rodman played basketball with this maniacal rage as though at any given point, he could go back to working at the DFW airport as a janitor. Well, we all could go back to working. But that's how you something. play. But that's, that's how, how you, you play. Do it. That's how you play business. Can I tell you a true story? Yes. So my senior year at Northeastern State University in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, America. This just America. America. Our basketball team was fairly salty, and we were in AIA at the time. Come on. And we had a team coming into town to challenge us on our home court. Whoa. From Southeast, from Durant, from Southeastern Durant. State. And they had a big banner they put up there that said, Hook the Worm. Hook the Worm? And they had a worm on the banner. Who was the worm? Dennis Rodman. What? Yes. Oh. oh. See, you know what this means? What? It means the circle. Ooh. The Dennis Rodman Show, North Korea's oh, the My, only American ambassador to North Korea since previous to Donald Trump and over multiple decades is Dennis Rodman. And the show we do is about Dennis Rodman. And now you say you went to college that played against Dennis Rodman. And I saw him play back in college. Dennis Rodman might and be he, the, the answer. He reached up and he took the pebble from he, our hand. And he said, I got your pebble. This blow my mind. 
True story. True story. True story. Z, he played basketball every single day in practice. He said like he had an opportunity to be cut and go back to the DFW airport working as a janitor. Can you talk about that dragon energy that you and Kanye West and Donald Trump and Dennis Ryman and, and you, any, Clay Clark, yes, have? Anybody who's successful has the dragon energy. Talk about it. Talk <laughs> I love about it. it. I love the dragon it energy. It is the dragon energy. It's the dragon energy. Why not? It is. It That's is. what it is. Well, the thing about it is if you know where you started from, if you know where you came from, and you're pushing forward, you know that any false move, any bad move, you can slide back to there. But the good news is you know that you can still drive forward anyway. But there's a, there's a, there's a fight in you. There's a drive in you that says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to hope it gets done. Right. I'm going to know. It gets done. It gets done. And it might mean an extra 10 hours a week. Might mean an extra 15 hours You'll a week. do whatever it takes. You'll do whatever it takes. Right. You will delay gratification, whatever, yes. however that looks. You'll do you whatever know? you have to do. You're right. Because you want what you want. You want what you want. And that is so awesome. And that's why I think breaking down Dennis Rodman, as much as he gets, I mean, hang on, folks, because it, it's going to get it's going to get a little now, freak, it's going to page a freak 41, show down. Marshall, I want to I I read this to you about Dennis Rodman here, okay? Freak show. He says, the next year... Again, in the Eastern Conference Finals, I was on Larry Bird the whole series. There were guys I could intimidate with my eyes or by getting in there, boop, and not letting them move. But Bird wasn't one of them. Taking him on was like playing a computer game. You had to try to get into his mind and anticipate what he was going to do next. The hardest part, that was the hardest part because he was always thinking ahead of everybody else on the floor. The only thing to do was get used to him, watch tapes, and watch him closely on the floor, on the floor, and try to beat him to the spot. We played him enough that I started to get used to him, but it was never comfortable. Even though he wasn't fast and he didn't go much for fancy dunks or anything like that, Bird was one of the few white guys who could play what people called the black game. I respected Larry. I respected anybody who could go out there and kick my boop, and he did it often. And I would respect him as long as the game was on. But afterward, no way. I'd walk off the floor thinking, I just got my boop kicked by a white guy. I don't think Larry respected me at the beginning. He talked a lot of boop his whole career. <laughs> but I remember him during the first Eastern Conference Finals. He was talking so much it was like I got used to it. He was mostly asking everybody who was guarding him. He'd be looking around asking me, Who's guarding me? Is somebody guarding me? Is anybody guarding me? Sometimes he'd ask me directly, is anybody guarding me? <laughs> so Larry Bird. I heard he's a famous smack talker. Oh, my gosh. So right? Marshall, talk to me about smack talking because you played college basketball. That's right. But also about as a business owner. I mean, is there not so much emotional? I mean, you have to be emotionally strong to run a successful company. And you have to be emotionally strong to play at the NBA level. I mean, Dennis Rodman was famous, famous for shoving his thumb into the butts of, oppo of opposing players, for, un for untying their shoelaces, for constantly talking horribly about people during the game because he would get into their head. So as a business owner, as a business coach, as an NBA player, why do you have to have a strong head game? 
you got to have a strong head game because you have to have self-awareness of knowing what the things that you're good at and not good at. You have to be able to manage your own emotions and they can't be out of control because if your emotions are out of control, you're not going to be able to manage the emotions of other people and you have to be engaged. So number one, you have to be able to manage your own emotions and two, you have to be engaged with your business. Nobody drifts to a successful business. Oh, Dennis, say that again. Say that again. Nobody drifts their way to a successful business. You don't just like show up, okay, every single day to the office and all of a sudden you're successful. Uh, we have a, uh, uh, I want to break this, this next notable quotable from Dennis Rodman down on page 43 of his book here, Marshall. So here we go. One time, one time, Daryl Walker of the Washington Bullets. Bullets. Got me so boop, uh, boop at me that he tried to kick me. He kicked me. When he tried to, then he tried to spit on me. Spit on me. I had given him a little shot here and there, and so he decided he was not going to retaliate that way. No, 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 no. I was eating this up. This is what I live for. I live for this. He spit, but he missed me though. (laughs) That was the only bad part. I wanted him to hit me with his spit. Yes. Right there on the court, I told him, if you're going to spit at me, make sure you hit me in the face. Don't be wasting my time. Don't be wasting I my time. I don't care, bro. Spit on me. Yell at me. Kick me. Whatever you do is going to pump me up more. The m- worse you do, the more I like it. <laughs> this is Dennis Rodman. This is crazy. Yes. This is crazy. Yes. But that's how you the get dragon them, that's, energy. That's how you get in their mind. I love it. This is, this is what's so good. I mean, Dennis Rodman was five foot nine when he graduated from high school. He gets arrested for stealing watches while working at the DFW airport. Then he grows to a freakishly tall height, and and, and he's he's twenty he's twenty one years old. All of a sudden, he's massive. He went from like age eighteen, where he's small, to age twenty one. All of a sudden, he's like, okay, I should probably play basketball because I'm six foot eight. Yeah. He goes to the NBA. He still can't shoot at all. At all. Dude, if you watch him, his free throws, Ugly. they're crazy. Don't do it. He literally cannot shoot free throws. Could you imagine what it would be like to not be able to shoot the ball Could and you to play in the NBA? Him and Shaq having to get him a horse, it would last the rest of their lives. But he said, you know what I could do? I could play defense and I could rebound. Yeah. So he says on page 47 of his book, he says, the year we won our second title was the year I won my first defensive player of the year. They presented me with a trophy at the banquet, and when they gave it to me, I cried. I couldn't believe this was me. To me, that was a sign that I had made it all the way, all the way from nowhere. I had set out to play defense and to rebound. I was recognized now as the best defensive player in the NBA. As I stood up there receiving the award, I thought about how far I had came and how many people helped me get there. When all that comes rushing back at me, I can't hold it. So I think if you're out there and you're saying to yourself, gosh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of talent. You can be successful, Z, as long as you're willing to do whatever it takes. And that's a challenge. I think a lot of people aren't willing to do whatever it takes. So, Z, I'm going to ask you this. Oh, baby, I like it. I like it like that. Yeah, baby, I like it. Oh, I do like it like that. So you, you give it to us real and raw. Come on. Talk to me about the importance of willing to do whatever it takes if you want to become self-employed. This just in. This just in. Forbes says 67% of you out there have a 
burning desire to do your own thing. Right. And listen, we're here to help you do your own thing. Your own thing. We've got all kinds of goodies and toys and templates and footpaths and workshops and systems and coaching to help you. But you know what? You've got to want it maniacally above anything else right now in your life. It's got to be number one in your life right now to do it successfully. You know, and I think about one of our listeners out there, Marshall. Can you brag about our good friends at Williams Contracting? Oh, yeah. One Travis of your clients. Wi- yeah, Travis, uh, yeah, Travis Williams. They do a phenomenal job. They do construction management and general contracting. Uh, they build things like schools, add on to big commercial buildings, jails, et cetera. And if you want to get a t- in touch with them, you just go to will-con.com. Will-con.com. Uh, that's Travis Williams over there. And those guys deliver. They're going to get it done on time and on budget because they care. That's Williams Contracting. Stay tuned. Attend the world's best business workshop led by America's number one business coach for free by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us an objective review. Claim your tickets by emailing us proof that you did it and your contact information to info at thrivetimeshow.com. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio and podcast download. And for those of you who have subscribed to our podcast and who took the time to leave us an objective review, thus making us the number one podcast in the world. Unbelievable. In all categories. Thank you so much. When you think about how little talent that we have. Little. When you think about how little skill we have. Little. When you think about how little we know about most things. Little. It's amazing. It's amazing. You've helped us to get to the top of the iTunes podcast charts, and we thank you so much, which is why we're returning the favor today, Thrive Nation. Clay, 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 Clay. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. I I don't want to call you out, but I am the parent on the show. Holy cow. You're being just a little disingenuous. What? Nobody in the business of podcast slash radio show works harder prepares more, is more maniacal than you. I'll say that again, but I won't. You and this show deserve to be number one, albeit for a few hours every week. I mean, there's 550,000 podcasts out there, give or take a few. I mean, give or take a few. That is true. Don't call me a liar over 20 or 30,000 podcasts. Yeah, come on, Don't call him a liar. Don't call me a liar, really. And you know what? I know you're taking the high road and you're being a little disingenuous, but I don't know a man who works harder on preparing for a radio show, i.e. then gets turned into a podcast, then gets distributed around the world via the internet. Thank you, Al Gore. Thank you, Alvin Gore. Alvin. This just did. I will say this, though. John and I have kind of a a weird relationship going right now, Jonathan Kelly, because he will put a topic that I need to work on, quote-unquote, over the weekend. Okay. And so this past weekend, there was 13 Thrivers who had questions and business plans. And so I had to record 13 separate podcasts over the weekend. Yeah. And my head almost exploded because I do all this before noon every day. So between 3 and noon every day, I'm just like recording, recording. And so I think John is the hardest working. I'm the second hardest working. And you're sort of like the Chuck Daly of this show. 
Yeah. Chuck Daly, who was Dennis Rodman's coach. Yeah, I'm kind of the Chuck Daly, except he had much better hair than I do. No, no look, I mean, you got to admit, he had much better hair than I do. Z, speaking I mean, of your incredible, incredible hair, let's talk about the Dennis Rodman story. On today's show, we're talking about That's the Dennis our Rodman show today, story. Which now, is crazy, by the way. The Dennis way. Rodman story uh, today is crawling through five miles of crap and picking up the NBA's trash en route to making it to the Hall of Fame. On page 52 of Dennis Rodman's book, As Bad As I Want to Be, Bad As I Want to Be by Dennis Rodman, a man who, by the way, graduated high school at the age of 5'8 or 5'9, who the did age? not play organized basketball until the age of 21. Yeah, crazy. Who went on to be an NBA rookie at the age of 26. He writes in his book, page 52, he says, When Chuck Daly left the team, he was fired. I think he took some of me with him. Oh. I couldn't take it when they fired him. I respected Chuck Daly more than anyone in the league. Mm. And it killed me to have to play the last year there without him, the way he treated, without him. The way he was treated his last three years there wasn't right. He had a one-year contract every year, even though we were winning back-to-back titles. His money wasn't even guaranteed. I saw how this business works by watching how they treated Chuck Daly. We obviously had a big. Uh, uh, he, was, he was a fan of Chuck Daly, and Chuck Daly mentored Dennis and told him, "Dennis Rodman, here's the deal. We've drafted you from a small school in Durant, Oklahoma, and if you want to be in the NBA, you have to play a maniacal, intense level of defense, and you have to rebound." What did you have handy? What position and round he was drafted in? I do not have that, but Marshall can pull it up on the show notes Marshall, today. Marshall, will you pull that and up? As he's pulling that up, I want to I give this. This is a teaching moment for all the listeners. Okay. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a mentor. Wes Carter, the top attorney. You guys at Winners and King, you guys are, have been the legal uh, authority of choice for T.D. Jakes, for Joel Osteen, for Craig Rochelle, for Joyce Myers. Um, now you, you run a lot of the daily operations at Winters and King. But could, do you remember what it was like to be mentored by Tom Winters, your your partner and the co-founder of Winters and King. I do. I, I, both of my founders, Mike King and Tom Winters, when I was young coming in, taught me a lot of very valuable lessons that I know looking back saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. And uh, I, there's just certain things that only people who have already walked in those shoes can teach you and the only other way to do it is to live through those mistakes yourself, which obviously the easy choice is learn from other people's mistakes. Mm, say that again. So there's certain things that you only are going to grasp and learn and digest by learning from someone who's already walked in your shoes, done what you're doing. And if you don't do that, your only other alternative is live through those mistakes, live through those consequences and it's an easy choice when you look at it that way. So I, I don't want to paraphrase, but I want to paraphrase. All right. Oh, yes. wow. So wow. you're saying you can learn through mentorship or mistakes. Correct. Your choice. That was a very much more succinct way of putting it, yes. Well, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to paraphrase. Yes. yes. But not paraphrase. Yes. Well said. This is something I want to, I want to bring up, Marshall. Um, mentors have to be comfortable with having an uncomfortable conversation. Fact. And if a mentor is truly mentoring you, and you hear me say this all the time to our office staff, I say, do you want me to actually mentor you and teach you what you need to know, or do you want me to just make you feel how the way you need to feel to move on? I mean, do you want to know the real, the real knowledge, or 
that that bogus false kindness because mentorship that's unwanted will create resentment. So, Z, I want to get your take on that, and I want to get Marshall's take. No, on I'm going to ask you, Clay. Yeah, what was the conversation you had when you were a young man? You were in your grunge. I, I don't know. It's, it's I wouldn't say grunge, but you were in your hip opera. Hip opera. You know, it was you were, a hip hop opera. You were in your other state of clay. Yeah, it was like M M&M. and M. Uh, yeah, M and M. You were clay. Yeah, he's a role, he's a role model. You were C and C. That's right. Right. What was the hard thing a mentor said to you? What and I know it's probably was it was it Well, Clifton Talbert was told Clifton? me a few, was it Clifton? A, few yeah. a few rough things, then you told me a few rough things, and so I'll try to Clifton? paraphrase them. Okay. Clifton paraphrase said them. rich people have big libraries and poor people have big TVs. Oh but making excuses. Say that again. Say that. Say that again. He said rich people have big libraries and poor people have big TVs. And what did he what did you take from that? I was just like I kept telling him I didn't have time to read uh, books. I told him I didn't have time. I told him I was afraid of the rejection of making cold calls. And he said, listen, I wasn't allowed to go into the front door of a bank as a kid, and now I helped start the first bank west of the Mississippi owned by an African-American. Listen, you've got to pick up the phone. And if you fear rejection, I'm paraphrasing, we said, if you fear rejection, by default, you will be rejected. Mm, wow. And then you told me I have to advertise or I'm an idiot, basically, was the, the summary. Correct. So if you're out there and you say to yourself, what is the tough mentorship that I need? The tough mentorship that you need is you need to learn from mentors or mistakes. And if you want to have your Ford automobile repaired by somebody who actually knows what they're doing, as opposed to watching a DIY video and screwing up your car, go to RC Auto Specialist. Tulsa, I repeat to you, go to RC Auto Specialist, the number one Ford automotive repair shop in the region. That's rcautospecialist.com. That's rcautospecialist.com. And now broadcasting live from the box that rocks, it's the Thrive Time Business Coach Radio Show. We're hiking Mount Vernon. We're changing the mindsets like we're incense burning. Passing on the magic like my name was Irvin. Serving up that knowledge like I was a servant. I cite what I say so you know I'm not a servant. It's Thrive Time Show, bringing the heat while fervent. Giving it to you straight in the world that swerves. Stacking the cash, making the dash. Earning the plaques, bringing it back. Bring me the track so I can get up on the mic and speak the facts. Stacking the cash, making the dash. Earning the plaques, bringing it back. Bring me the track so I can get up on the mic and speak the facts. All right, Thrive Nation, we're breaking down the Dennis Rodman story. Crawling through five miles of sewage crap and picking up the NBA's trash en route to becoming an NBA Hall of Fame basketball player. Now, Z, I'm going to read to you a uh, long a bedtime story? excerpt from Dennis Rodman's book, Oh, Bad As I Want To well, Be. That's not a bedtime story. And I want to start this, I want to start the story by, by sharing something you taught me. Okay. Clay Clark. Clay Clark. It's the best-selling book that we talk about, not it's, the best written. It's the best. It's the best book. marketed optometrist that makes the most money, not the smartest. Smartest. That's for sure. So I'm going to read. I have to cue my epic music so it doesn't get awkward. Okay. I'm going to read for probably two minutes, and then you can break it down. So here okay. we go. Okay. Let me get my music ready. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Page fifty-eight of Dennis Rodman's Page epic philosophy, philosophy book. Bad as I want to be. Bad as I want to be. Derek Coleman yes. of the New Jersey Nets did not bring people to the building like I do. Attendance in San Antonio was second to the NBA my first year there. They filled, they moved into the Al Alamo Dome that year, so they had more seats to sell 
and my presence helped the my team sell presence. this. That's part of the reason they got me. We averaged over 22,053 fans a game my first year there. The only other team to average more than 20,000 attendance was the Charlotte Hornets, who averaged more than 23,000. The Spurs had never been as far as the Western Conference until I got there. Until I got there. In 1994, we had the league's best record and went to on to the conference finals. David Robinson won the most valuable player award. They were mentors. <laughs> Largely because I was taking most of the rebounding pressure off him. I bring something to the people. The people! Derek Coleman doesn't, Chris Dudley doesn't, and the Portland no. Trailblazers are paying Chris Dudley six no. million a year. Yes. Anthony Mason doesn't do what I do, and the New York Knicks signed him for four million a year. Four million? To me, none of this computes. None. I've learned something through all my years of diving for loose balls and coming from with coming down with a flamboyant rebound. People want excitement, enjoyment, and a winning team. They also want something different. From the first time I covered my hair, I knew I walked out onto the court in San Antonio with that bleach blonde hair, and right away, I saw how much the people loved what Dennis Rodman they was giving loved them. It. The excitement was right there, right now. Yes. That's what this game is about, and all I ask is that somebody see it and appreciate it. It's no different than a waitress wanting to acknowledge when people coming back to her restaurant because her service is good. I feel I've been used for the past four or five years to provide entertainment to the fans. Do you want to the entertainment? They used me for marketing in San Antonio because they knew I was popular with the fans. Other teams did the same thing. When we were on the road, you could watch the commercials for the other team and hear the hear them telling people, come out and watch Dennis Rodman and the San Antonio Spurs. Same thing on radio. The Freak Show. Pay me my money. Show me the money. So Dennis Rodman explains that until he colored his hair, they never featured him on commercials. Until he started being weird and getting all the tattoos, he was never in the commercials. But once he got all the tattoos and started getting crazy, boy, people lined up to pay him. Z! Seth! Godin. Purple. Cow. Mm. Completing my senses. I love it. That's how good we're working together. He found his purple cow. Right. And that's what everybody out there that has a business, everybody out there that wants to have a business needs to do. You need to be able to separate yourself from everybody else in your industry. And what he did is he said, you know what? I'm a great player. I'm contributing to the team. But you know what? I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm going to take it up a notch because the NBA, like, a lot of professional sports is about entertainment. What? Basketball is... Are you saying the NBA is about entertainment? Yeah, I'll repeat it. The NBA is about entertainment. You might think it's about the triangle... Are you saying... You might think it's about the triangle offense. Are you saying you, that Jackson. optometry is about marketing optometry? Yes. Are you saying banking is about marketing banking? Yes. Are you trying to tell you me, me that OxyFresh cleaning a carpet is about marketing carpet cleaning? Oh, this changes everything. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So now this I want I want to get your take on it. Marshall Morris's take on it, the acclaimed business coach and co-author of the, the acclaimed. Amazon best-selling book star here. And Wes Carter with the First of all, I have an issue. Yeah. Marshall 
is about the same height as said Dennis Rodman that we're doing the book on. Right. And Marshall reportedly has played professional basketball. Reportedly. I, did, I, I, did, I, I did go to Costa Rica and watch him. I don't, I don't know. He, he played in the Costa Frica. He could have been down there on the beach drinking oh, Mai Tais and paddle boarding. I don't, I don't know. There's Costa Rica. There's the Costa Frica late night glow sticks okay. league. Marshall played in the late night glow sticks. Oh, oh <laughs> the, the glow sticks. <laughs> Costa Frica. But anyway, I'm kind of going, if, if he could do that, then why don't we dye his hair? Right. Get him out get there. Get him some tats. Oh. Get him some tats and piercings. And, and take a Marshall to the next, I need a purple the next cow. level. I need a purple cow. Marshall, talk to the listeners out there. Why do you have to have a purple cow for your business? Because if you're not remarkable, you are invisible. Being good, being average is the riskiest thing that you can do in your business. If you're not remarkable, you're going to blend in with everybody else. And so you need to go all in on something in your business and become remarkable. Because if you're not remarkable, people are not going to talk about you. Wes Carter, Winners and King, you guys stand out in a cluttered marketplace. Yeah, You're a law firm. I mean, you got well, you guys were kind of like the Christian legal experts for the gurus. How did you become that? When did you decide to niche that way? What happened? Well, from the very beginning of the, the law firm, one of the main practice areas that the firm had was churches and ministry. So in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the 80s, it was the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Tulsa, Jerusalem. Right. And so we had just tons of ministries. <laughs> ORU. Just Tulsa, all, Jerusalem. I'm so sorry. Can I real quick? Clients there. Wes, I'm so sorry. You're, you're okay. He said Tulsa, Jerusalem, yeah. and I'm immature. Let me just. Tulsa, Jerusalem. Back to you, Wes. <laughs> so, again, last segment we talked about some of the things Tom Winters had mentored me on, and that's one of the things he told me early was, uh, being a good attorney is a lot about marketing because if you can't get clients in the door, your skills are useless. Oh, and so uh, part of the way we differentiate ourselves is by uh, claim, you know, upholding first of all, and then marketing our integrity, our faith, our principles that we can still go out there and kick tell for you and do it in a way that's honorable and with integrity. If you're out there listening and you say to yourself, you know what? I want to become successful. I'm so tired of kicking tires and trying to figure out how to make my business better and go into all these random workshops. And you just say, I want to attend the world's best business workshop the and best. learn the proven system. I ask you to do two action steps. Go to thrivetimeshow.com on iTunes. That's action step number one. Subscribe and leave us a review. That's action step number two. This will take you like 60 seconds. Email us proof you did it to info at thrivetimeshow.com and we'll send you two free tickets and it will change your life. Stay tuned. You are now entering the dojo of Mojo and the Thrive Time Show. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. 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 This is Clay Clark on the mic again. Myopic focus, tunnel of vision. I'm focused on the mission. To teach you the skills and give you the plans. Broadcasting from my lands. To the left, to the portlands. I'm here to tell you, you can do it. Yes, you can. And now, my friend, you got two fans. Hit me the Z, comma, ands. I'll be the C, yes, ands. Now let's kick it like Batman, bam! And get a little nuts like Pete Cairns. Oh, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the Thrive Time Show, your daily audio dojo of mojo. And recently, if you're in the know, you now know that we have reached the top of the iTunes podcast chart. Dude, that's twice. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It's just math. Not that we're counting. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not counting. Not that we put our value as humans based upon our iTunes. No, no we don't rank. No, but I no, would no, say, no, 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 I feel good about myself as a human, and you should. But I, before we were top of the iTunes charts, I thought about: Is anyone listening to our podcast? Does anyone care? I mean, so no. But seriously, with Thrive Nation, I appreciate you subscribing recommending it to your friend, and you might say, well, hey, I want to participate. What can I do? If you subscribe to the podcast, that's like a three-pointer for the Thrive Nation. That's what, that's what affects score. your rank, by Shoot the way. Score. So yeah. if you subscribe, that's like a three-pointer. Yeah, boom. If you leave us an objective review, that's like a two-pointer. Yeah, it's just like a layup. And if you, uh, you know, share it with a friend or listen, that's like a one-pointer. That's like a free throw. Yeah. And so, you know, speaking of basketball analogies. Is that like the analogies, shack under, like the grandma shack throw? Uh, or is it the... Uh, do, can I, mean, I can did I Dennis Rodman ever make a free throw? Do we know that? Uh Dennis Rodman did make a free throw. He and as we're talking today one. about Dennis Rodman in his book, Bad as I Wanna Be, I want to reset the story for anybody just now tuning in. Dennis Rodman, at the age of 18, was between five foot nine and five foot ten in height. Right. He's then working at the he's working at the uh the airport for the DFW airport. He's 21, and he gets arrested for stealing watches. That's the dude that stole my watch. His you know, sister, what happened to my watch? His sister is a Division One athlete, Division One basketball player, and she says, "Dennis, I don't know if you're aware, but you're now probably six foot nine, six eight. Why don't you try to play basketball?" Yeah. So he plays basketball for the first time on an organized level at the age of twenty-one. Gets kicked off the team for filling out academically. Well, no, he got he got a, a random person saw him playing in this pickup league. Yes, and said go try out for a junior college, and he did, and he did, and he got, got on, got got a scholarship. And he filled out after like a semester, right? Because academics. academics, right? Then a coach from Durant is like, "Hey, we'll give you a second shot." Next thing you know, he's playing in Durant, Oklahoma, age twenty six, NBA rookie. Now he's dominating the NBA at this point. On page seventy seven of his book, Player of the Year, bad as I want to be, Defensive Player of the Year, shutting down other teams. And this is a, a, a long-term, a long, a long-form notable quotable. Marshall, I'm going to read it from page 77. Marshall, kind of get me fired up here. Marshall, fire get me Get you up. fired up? Yeah, I want to make sure I'm ready to go. I just want to make sure I'm ready to read. Clay Clark, introducing the U.S. Small Business Entrepreneur of the Year, okay. standing six foot five. Oh, yes. And weighing... Who knows? And I'm not six foot five. I'm six foot one. But here we go. So okay. Dennis Rodman okay. writes here. He says, "One thing they might found out, they might find out, find would surprise out. a lot of people. Good surprise. How many people in the NBA would come in before a game? Yes. Work out, yes. go out and play uh -huh. 40 minutes, and then come back in after the game and work out again for another hour and a half? Yes. Of How course. many people in the league do that? How many people did I that? I know one. It's Dennis Rodman. Oh." which is my own name, but I'm writing in my own book. I go into the weight room before yes. a game and loosen up with some light weights. Loosen. I like I'm to feel loosen. strong when I go out on the floor, yes. Yes. but I don't want to be bulky and stiff. No. I might warm my legs up on the stair machine or on the stationary bicycle. I listen to Pearl, Pearl Jam and get my mind right. Get my mind right. Yes. Do you understand yes. that Dennis Rodman would work out before and after a game? And for anybody who knows anything about Dennis Rodman or has been around him or listens to his interviews. He talked about how that was like, it was his thing. He just wanted to be the best, and he never felt worthy of being on the NBA. He never felt like he was worthy of being on the NBA floor. And so he just after every game, he would go hit the weights again and again and again. And the guy was always in a ridiculous 
a ridiculous shape. He was always just absolutely playing at the next level. And so I want to tap into that work ethic. There's a lot of things he probably could have done better, but he never felt worthy of being in the NBA. So after the game, he would hit the weights, Z. I tell you what, I don't know that there's a worse thing than pride. Pride is a is a horrible thing. When you have a friend or someone you're around or someone you just met and they're very prideful, it just, uh, just, just makes you... Just makes your skin crawl. But when you're around someone who's humble, when you're around someone who is appreciative for where they are and what they've done, and they realize that they need to continue to work to stay in that position, that it's just not given to them, that is is so refreshing. So I would encourage everybody out there, if you've got a successful business, still be humble. If you want to have a successful business, still be humble. You know, pride is one of those things that says it comes before the fall. And, and when we find people that are prideful, that say, I don't need to do that. I'm this. I don't wonder. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a big deal. Dennis Rodman says this. He says, most of the time I do my fighting by saying, I'll kick your boop during the game. Boop. Then when the game's over, you know I won the war. That's the fight. When the guy has to go back over to the bench after he has yanked, been yanked from a game, and he'll say, yeah, I just got my boop beaten, boop. Uh, that's where I win. So boop. I want to ask you, Wes Carter, you're one of the top attorneys in, on the planet. You guys represent Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, uh, Joyce Meyer, Craig Rochelle with Life Church. When you represented me, uh, because I might or might have not uh, uh, physically assaulted my own brother. Um, you went to court with me. <laughs> I did. And I did. you out-prepared. You did. Yes. And right? It, yeah. One well, thing one of my mentors told me was, you know, if you walk into a courtroom, <laughs> the other side right. may have better facts. They may have better witnesses, you know, but don't ever let them out-prepare you. Come on now. Most of the cases you win, you win before you ever step in a courtroom because Come you, on. you're prepared and you're ready and you've done your homework. And it's like that in a lot of fields, I think, not just the law field. Can I can I brag on our potential pool guy? Could might not be the pool guy. Can I Z, can I brag on the potential pool guy? Only if you let me play this background music. Yes. Feel free to cue it up here. I want to make sure we get Okay. Will you preach a little bit? We'll call we'll call him Robbie. Okay. What? One of my favorite rap artists was Rob Bass. He says, I want to rock right now. Rob has shown up. He is on time. Come on. Super prepared. The most interactive 3D renderings I've seen. They're incredible. See, they make me want to cry when I think about the pool. Ah, and look ah, at it like, oh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. But he's, he's, he's prepared. And I believe the company's ah. Artisan Pools. Am I correct? Artisan Pools. So if you're out there and you say, I'm looking for a pool guy that's going to prepare. for a pool guy. Even before I've earned their business. Which, by the way, is how you earn the business. Come on now. You want to check out Ravi with Artisan Pools. I can't say he's the best pool guy in America. I will take photos as they're building it. Z, we're now the number one podcast in the world as of last Friday. We're Dude, the top large. 20 on the iTunes for business for the, for the business section in the world. 530,000 podcasts, number one. And I will post photos as we're building. Mm. And so Why you, can, you? you can judge for yourself whether Ravi the pool you, man you know with Artisan Pools is the right guy. But I can tell you, the preparation I've seen so far, he might be, in a good way, the Dennis Rodman of pools. I like that. Do you like that? I like. I do like that. See, talk to me about the importance when you hire people, you promote people, or you partner with people like Monty. How, how, how much of a factor does it play into you deciding to team up with somebody if they're a grinder or not? Well, you want that. You want, you want someone that's going to work. I tell you what, if, you, if you've got to row a boat, and that's what business is, and what you do is you pick people to get in the boat and row, 
bro. And sometimes you get a guy that's in there is like, I think I've got carpal tunnel. Hey, bro, I'm not sure. I think sure. I had too much gluten. You know what? I got to get a break right now, so I'm not going to row for a little it's while. Like, I just, I think I've been a heat stroke. I know we may go in the wrong direction, but you Where, know what? I'm just going to sit back here. Did I have gluten for breakfast? You know, and I, you know, I, I think there's a sign a little hot. Is there, is there some kind of a sun break I could get right here? Is my right skin now? getting flush? Is I this, feel like I've been rowing for a while. I just, I, am I, am I on, is this a union rowing job? I'm not is even it, sure. When do we get our union break? The thing about it is you want, oh. you want doers on your team. Right. You want guys that want to come on your team and say, you know what, we're going to get this thing done. And when you acknowledge those and you find them and, and you, you. You know the make and model. Once you get around them, you're like, that's the make and model. Yes. They show up on time. They over-deliver. They, they bring Unbelievable the Unbelievable 3D pool uh, renderings before they even have the deal. The double stack oh, fireplace. Oh, come on. Just, get oh, out of come here. Come on. I mean, I did I did say that you need to add a, an ice maker to the thing. Can I say this? When I was you watching the interactive video, I, I fought back the tears, but it was like the final scene of Titanic yeah. where she says, Jack. And he Jack, says, Jack. Rose. Rose. Jack. Rose, and then he drifts into the abyss and, and dies of freezing. That kind of emotion, that's how I felt when I looked at that rendering. It was good. See, it was good. So good. So good. So good. So good when it hits the eyes. And Marshall, one other thing that's so good when it hits the eyes is our in-person Thrive Time Show workshops. Oh, Marshall, why now. should everybody go to thrivetimeshow.com and book their tickets for our next in-person Thrive Time Show business workshop? It is a laser show of business. It's 15 hours of business coaching over two days. It's a fire hose of knowledge. you got to come out here. It'll be practical tips for your business. you got to check it out. If you go to thrivetimeshow.com, we've got the podcast, the one-on-one business coaching, thousands of videos, the workshops, it's all there. Check it out today it's, at thrivetimeshow.com. One convenient location, thrivetimeshow.com. And as always, three, three two, two, one, boom. boom.